All right, all right. Thanks again for tuning in here on a Sunday morning with Lake Point Church, and I'm happy to be opening this new series for you called Questions. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Uh, you got at least one that comes to your mind pretty quickly? Maybe you got a few hundred of questions that you'd love to take up with God right now. I think this is an important posture for us to have as learners and realizing that this is what we all go through. Faith is not about checking your brain at the door. Those that call themselves Christians are actually asking the same questions as, as those who do not consider themselves questions. Now, we're all in the same boat here. I mean, look at some of the greatest believers in the Bible. People like Peter and Paul and James, they actually started as the greatest doubters in the Bible. This is just how you and I learn. This is just how we get over that hill of faith in the first place. you got to ask every honest question that you could possibly ever have of God to give your heart fully to him. That's great. That's fantastic. But you don't stop there either. I don't care how long you've been following Jesus. You, you still ought to be curious. You still ought to be asking big questions and believing there are big things for you to learn about God still. And sometimes I believe God is feeding you the answers, but because you haven't asked the question yet, I'm putting it all together. So in this series, I'm encouraging you to really ask the questions. And uh, something fun that we're going to kind of do, uh, you know, church is looking a little different right now. Um, we're asking you to generate the content for this series. So that's where that question form is all about. You can find it in a Facebook post earlier this week, all the emails that we send out, all sorts of places to, to submit your questions. And we're going to turn it around and build this series together. Um, today, we're going to dive into what has so far been the most clear and consistent question from the responses we've received. It's, how could a good God allow so many bad things to happen? Sounds like it's going to be an easy day, right? Uh, now, granted, this is going to feel a little more like a response than an answer. You know, when someone gives you a, a million-dollar question, a, a 10-cent answer doesn't always uh, suffice. But, man, in the course of this response, I hope this furthers us along in, in what God has for us. This is part of being lifelong learners. Um, so many different variations of this question came in, but the premise really all seemed to go back to this of if God is all-powerful and if God is all-loving, then he would have and should have stopped blank from happening. And you fill in the blank with the pain that you've seen in your life or in the world around you. Um, and then you back up and you say, well, well he didn't. And, and because of that, either either God, A, he, he could have got us out of the pain, but, but he didn't. Therefore, he got to question his love. Or he could not have gotten us out of the pain, even though he really wanted to. And then you question his power. It's like a lose-lose situation, right? You, you can't have both. Either God is void of love or God is void of power or God is just not out there and not possessing either of these things. But beneath these philosophical and theological questions, uh, we also have this personal layer that gets added to it, don't we? Uh, I mean, we're not just talking with our heads when we're asking things like this. You know, one person wrote in with the question, why did God take my godly Christian son at the age of 39 and leave criminals on the street? 
Another person asks, how do I overcome my fear? Like, like somehow something that I do right or wrong is going to have consequences on my family, that God will either reward my family or punish my family uh, based on what I do. How does this whole pain thing work in connection to God? And I, I get you. Uh, I, I've been there. I, I went through childhood cancer at age 15 and at an early age wrestled with a lot of these big questions. I have not had a pain-free life in my 25 years since then. I have my share of heartaches that go along with it. And I still ask these questions with God. But even though it's sensitive and even though it opens up our hearts, let's just go there together and, and learn what we can today. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to about nine places in the Bible and give you 10 specific things that God does with our pain. Uh, but first, we got to start with four broad responses to the topic as a whole. You got all that? I mean, I know you're all like hanging out in your living room right now, like kick back and chilling. But like, if you're going to take notes on some Sundays here at Lake Point Church, this is one of the Sundays that might be good for you to take these notes. Nine scriptures, 10 specifics, four broad responses. And I'm going to start with the four broad responses, okay? The first one is this. Uh, our good God made a good world. That's what the first pages of Genesis tell us. As that when God made the world, it was good. That did not mean it was of a good quality. It meant it was flawless, pain-free. No sickness, no death, no sadness, no loneliness, no violence. Nothing of that. A loving God made this world without any flaws. But he also, in, in the course of doing that in his love, wanted to experience a true love with people like you and I. We all know love is something that cannot be forced. And so he gave people like you and I a choice of whether or not we were going to love him. And so that's our second, takes us to our second broad response, uh, is, is that most of the pain is caused by people and their choices. All right, that's, that's the hard truth we got to wrestle with. Uh, all the problems in this world caused by war, it's people that start wars. Things like COVID-19, I know they're still working on tracking it down, but one of the, the leading ideas is that, that, that people created this virus. I mean, so many viruses and so many infections and so many tumors are created when, when people mess with environmental factors and it has a negative consequence on someone else's life. And look deep down in your heart right now and the hurt that you carry. Heartache, rejection, abuse, shame, blame. These are things that are connected to the choice of another person and what they have done. In most cases, humanity creates the pain uh, that, that, that we experience. Now, I know there are some things that uh, don't look like that. And, you know, things like natural disasters, hurricanes, tsunamis, droughts, things like that. Those, those look like the ones that, that, that you could pin more on God. Okay, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. But at the same time, you got to understand how he has equipped humanity to respond to it. I mean, did you know that this planet produces enough food to give all 7, 8 billion uh, people on this planet, at least a 3,000 calorie meal per day. But even still, people are going hungry and going without. It's because of choices like greed 
and political corruptions, choices of ignorance in our lives, the choices where humanity rarely invests themselves wholeheartedly in taking their resources and restoring others around them. In many cases, the pain that we're going through, God has equipped us with the means it would take to, 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 to supply the need in someone else's life, to alleviate it. And still we don't. I know that doesn't answer everything in this department. Not everything goes back to human choice, but that's a broad response we got to keep in front of us. Number three, third broad response is that the God separation has thrown off everything. Okay, there's this thing called peace. Uh, we talked about it at Christmas Eve. If you happen to join us this year uh, for it, it's a very rich word in the Bible called shalom. And peace is in, in the Bible with shalom is not just about, hey, just having tranquility of mind. It's everything's whole complete in, in, in an orderly line as it should be. And shalom is broken in our world anytime we take something out of the equation. And as humanity continually chose wrong, we pushed God out of the equation. And that's like a really big deal to, to how life works. Like try to take the sun out of the equation of life right now. How's that going to work for living? Or, or try to take oxygen out of the air. What happens next? God is just as big as those things, and our wrongs pushed him out of the picture. And we got to appreciate that that's why this thing feels like it's all just one big mess, is because, because, because of the God separation. It has consequences absolutely everywhere. And the fourth broad response we got to keep in front of us as we go through the rest of these questions is that Jesus got in the middle of our mess and is at work redeeming it right now. So what he began on the cross and with the empty tomb. Uh, anything that you carry in your life in terms of regret, guilt, baggage, um, having a debt that you need to pay, Jesus paid your debt by living a perfect life and, and, and being a sacrifice to God on your behalf. And then out of that, he was resurrected to a new life. And so this new life you live, it's not on your own strength, but it's by his power in you and what he does uh, for you. Okay, this, that, that's, that's redemption, and, and it's taking place. And that's not like God's just plucking one soul after another here on earth, marking them for heaven. Uh, he, he's concerned about the whole world, that all these people that are redeemed by him turn around and further his redemption in the world so that it, that, that it does look more like what he had in mind in the first place. And ultimately, he's taking us to a new heaven and a new earth. More on that as we go, but... Those are the four broad responses we have to keep in front of us today, okay? That uh, we have a good God who made a good world. People messed it up. This side of heaven, the God separation is always going to have some effects on us, but Jesus got in the middle and is very much at work redeeming it all. All right? Uh, from here, we're going to start getting into some of the particular questions and some of the specifically good things that God does for us in our pain. Yeah, I think sometimes when we ask the question why, we're putting God on the defensive. But, but let's come into this from a, a, a positive response of why would he do it? Or, or not why would he do it. What is he bringing out of the good? And let's look for his goodness in there, okay? So one of the questions we got is, uh, why doesn't God just fix it? Uh, I mean, he could and I want to point to the first good thing that God does is he does fix it. 
Okay, um, it says in Matthew 19, 28, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, all things, the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. No, nothing's going to be left undone. He will renew all of this to the way it's supposed to be. And, and that, that is a picture of heaven. If you were with us last week for Easter, man, we, we talked about how heaven, and that's a big part of like, the, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't make sense without a heaven being in place. And God does have that very much in store for you by faith in Jesus. But between here and there, it's, it's a process. Also on Easter, we covered 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I related that to kind of like an IV drip. Or even if you got an infection and you're wasting away on the outside, something like a little drip in the background from an IV with the right antibiotic and, and just it's just renewing you by day by day inwardly when you're open to it. And that's the same thing with us and God. When you open your heart to him day by day, a renewal is taking place in him. So God is fixing it. But at least the question... Well, then why on earth is God so slow? Why do we have to relate him to an IV drip? Why can't he be more instantaneous than that? And so it's the second good thing that I see God doing is God gives time to people who need it. Uh, in other words, God is patient. He's not slow. That's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay, so he's given people to make that choice to step away from that wrongs that they have chosen, instead of choose the redemption that Jesus is offering them. And, and, and that takes some time. You know, I kind of relate to this, uh, to some arguments uh, that I have with my wife from time to time. Uh, hate to admit that, but yeah, we, we, we do argue. And uh, there's sometimes, you know, we just keep going back and forth, back and forth for a while. But Melissa does this this really amazing trick. Um, you, you should try this sometimes. Um, sometimes she stops arguing and just looks at me like, I'm going to wait for you to realize you're the jerk right now, Brian, and that you're the one who actually needs to change. And it's remarkably effective by her being quiet and patiently waiting. Uh, I'm, I'm out of the argument for a second, and then I realize how wrong I am. And then I come back and I say, I'm, I'm sorry. I do want to be different than this. And that's why, that's what God's up to right now. He's not slow. He is patient. Giving jokers like you and I room and margin to say, I know I've been wrong, and I want to come back to Jesus on his terms. Uh, some other questions that come up are like, why, why is God so inconsistent? And right, that goes back to some of the opening questions I pitched out there. Like, like, like the person who wanted to know, hey, is, is this all on me? Do, do I have to hang this in the balance? of? Do I have to keep getting it right so that God keeps taking care of my family? Or as one mother expressed, uh, did, uh, why did my son die while other bad people get to keep their lives? 
uh, tons of questions around stuff like this. You hear it on the issue of fertility a lot. There's some amazing, amazing would-be great parents that are trying so hard to have kids. And there are plenty of people that seem like they're the last people that should ever bring children to the world for their inability to care for them right now, who have no, been, no, no problem multiplying left and right. And so we're kind of left looking for the equation of, of how does this work? And uh, here's the third good thing that God does with this is uh, the, the pain's a reminder that it's relationship overrules. The fact that there is no equation means that it's relationship overrules. Um, Got to appreciate the fact that there, there was a rules-based system in the Bible. That's what the whole Old Testament was about. That's what the law was about, where if we were flawless and following all those rules, then it would go great for us with God. The problem is none of us chose right, okay? And it's like in God's world, it's not like this shifting balance of who's better or worse than the next person. It's, it's a line. You're either on the right side or the wrong side. And we all walked over to the wrong side. And so we don't actually want a clear cause and effect in our lives. What we want is a relationship that loves us unconditionally. And that's what Jesus was expressing to us on the cross. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I know there's plenty of heart issues attached to that, and we all got our stories. And I kind of encourage you to read through the book of Psalms. So many Psalms express this up and down of, of God, I trust you and I love you, but God, why are, why are the bad people getting ahead and the good people keep getting left behind? And it keeps kind of circling back around, but it still goes back to the goodness of God at the end. Some people ask questions to the effect of where is God? Okay, there's going to be several versions of this. Uh, one of them being, is he even here? Is he even there at all? Uh, there, there are people who say that suffering is evidence that there is no God. Like when the pain kicks in, that's, that's proof. God's not there. I actually think that our problem with pain is proof that there is a God. And, and that's the fourth good thing that comes out of this. I mean, uh, think of it like this. If there was no God out there, who, who's to say that suffering is wrong? And it shouldn't be happening. Like, if, if, if the world is all just one big accident, then who cares about the next accident that happens? Because that's, that's what we came from. Why is that a problem? Or if, if the, the governing rule of, of what makes life what it is is survival of, of the fittest, uh, then, then that means that the, that the weakest person, the most helpless person, just needs to die off because they can't help themselves. What kind of terrible response would that be? Is there anyone in our planet right now that just wants everyone with weakened immune systems to just die off and get it over with so that, that the rest of the healthy people can just get on and, and, and take over the world? Why does that sound as terrible as it is? It's because there's something else going on inside of you. Something that's based on, on sophistication and ethics and goodness and love. And it's not an accident. And it's not survival of the fittest. These are evidences of a good God that we identify far more with the heart of God 
than we do with the idea of being an accident. Uh, continuing with the question of where is God, some people take it from the angle of, well, does he even care? He's out there, it just doesn't feel like he cares right now. And he does, and this is the fifth good that comes of it. Jesus cares and meets you in the place of your pain. Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He's one who has suffered in every way uh, like we have. He, he wore our flesh. He walked in our shoes. He knows our world. He knows what you're going through. And he is watching and he is caring. And he's been through his share of suffering himself. And it's time for his heart to come and slide alongside yours. And that's what we're told he does. Um, people also take this question from the angle of, we had one person write this in really particularly, saying, you know, I know the phrase, uh, I am always with you, is, is a promise from God. But I'm just not feeling it today. Or other people ask the question, how, how does God speak to me? Uh, or, or how do I hear from God? Like we, we get really lonely in, in the middle of our pain and we just, just want some sense of, is he really there right now? And, uh, you know, this is one of the biggest questions my boys ask me. And it's hard to explain it specifically. Like how do you explain how to have a, a, a conversation or a relationship with someone else? Uh, all I can really tell my boys is I, I know it's going to involve listening. And listening really works better when you make some space to be quiet. Uh, that's the best thing we can do is make some space to hear from God. Uh, this is the good number six that he does. Uh, it's easier to hear God when you've got nothing else. It's just what the state of pain does to us. All the non-essentials fall off. We go into survival mode. So much of the things that we clutter our lives with just seem unimportant right now. And it's, it's like creating a quiet space in our soul where we could actually listen to him right now. I, I think COVID-19 is doing that in a lot of our households of the normal things that we're used to surrounding our lives with aren't present. Uh, maybe this is the platform. Maybe this is the space to hear from God. And we're not alone in seeking him out in these moments. Romans 6 tells us the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, I think that explains why it's hard to explain. This comfort and this care comes from God by the intervention of his spirit. And I think that prayer from the spirit looks different every time. And the application of the gospel of Jesus to your life and where you're at right now looks different every time. And at the end of the day, this is God's work more than yours. But I do believe that when we make some extended quiet space to listen, that we get to receive and understand better how he's intervening in our lives and meeting us in our place of pain. Another person asked the question, so how do I help someone who is hurting? And I think a specific instance was listed there, but it's, it, let, let's take it broadly. Uh, it's important to understand that we're described as the body of Christ. 
uh, a collection of different people coming together is how God often expresses his love in tangible ways. So even though you might struggle to hear and feel God by tangible means, he puts people in our life to represent his love and to, and to speak his words. And so number seven is your need opens you to what God wants to give you through others. We live a self-sufficient life a lot of times. At least we try to. We close ourselves off to other people a lot of times. Uh, but pain has a way of opening ourselves back up to others. And therefore, what God intends to give you through another people. So many people in your life right now, they are God's gift to you. They have something special about them. It's designed to be in your life. And sometimes pain opens you up to that gift. For this, instead of me talking, I'm going to take you over to Todd Oswald's story. All right. Hey, uh, Todd Oswald here, uh, everybody, a uh, great friend and family member here of Lake Point Church. And Todd, thanks for being willing to field some questions. Uh, having come out of cancer yourself this past year, question I left off with is how can somebody help another person through pain? You're in a better spot to answer that than most of us right now. So what's your thoughts? Um, I believe in you know, reflecting on this, my situation, I definitely felt that somebody, close friends of mine, I should say, the people that, that really um, are, are, are in my circle definitely showed me that persistence. Um, it, may, it may seem silly, but I was, I would get a phone call, you know, and somebody might, I might not answer and they wouldn't leave a message, not call back. Um, but somebody else might call and leave a message. Um, and the other people would call, leave a message, call again, leave a message, um, show up at your door even when you don't want them to. Um, <laughs> but it, it seemed like that persistence is what really, you know, drove me to, I guess, accept, you know, like get out of my, my not so bright place. So almost to the point of bothering you to the point that you let yourself be loved. Is that what I'm hearing? It's definitely what you're hearing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took, it, it took definitely more persistence and, and, and constant follow-up and calls yeah. and because you're not always in a good place and you don't want to answer the phone or you don't want to be bothered. And, but once you do, and once you, start talking, I, I think you just open up and, and start feeling better about it. Yeah, that's good. Really just push the wall down if it's there. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, this, this is all in a series talking about questions, questions for God. Uh, I'd be curious to hear from you. I mean, stage four cancer, you got kids, you got a wife. What, what kind of questions does that cause between you and God? Well, I think you come up with a lot of questions, um, you know, and there's always the, the basic questions like, why me? And, you know, what's going to happen to my family? Um, but I think that the, the deeper questions and the ones that I reflected on the most were, you know, where am I right now in my faith and with God? You know, where, how do I, how do I sit with, with, with God right now? You know, and, and you start reflecting on all that, you know, do I, do I 
talk to him enough? Do I pray enough? You know, do I talk to others about my faith enough? You know, all that stuff starts coming into it. And, and then um, once, once I got past that and once I, 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 I kind of reflected on my faith and what I, what I believe and all that. And I, and then, then I went to the next question of like, how am I going to get through this? Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties in together because I am going to, I kept asking the Lord and praying to the Lord, well, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? Mm-hmm. I kept saying it. And, and it's just funny because it's, it's not about how I'm going to get through this. It, it's really about how God's going to take you through this. That's a, that's an important shift and and faith perspective. Keep keep going with that. I'd I'd love to hear, you know, uh, the big question on the table for the message today is, does something like pain push us further away from God and frustration, or draw us in closer to Him? Your story is your own example. How how would you explain what this cancer has done to help you? know and and affect what you believe about God? Well, I said my, my faith, I've, I've, my faith goes back to, you know, elementary school. So I've never, I I guess, never lost faith or been out, but you know, you always go through your ups and downs and times. But I believe this has pushed me so much closer because I kept asking and asking for help all the time. And and at first I wasn't seeing it, but then as you go back and reflect on it, you realize that, that God is there every step of the way and he's directing everything that's going on around you. I mean, right from, from how, how am I going to get through this? The, the very first time I asked that question, you know, I, I went back and I looked at it and I'm like, my wife, you know, basically comes out in the living room and says, you're going to this hospital. We're going down here. It's the best one available that, we're going to do this. We're going to talk to this surgeon. And, and I'm, I was not even paying attention that God had already started directing my, my life and my future and where I was going. And, and it was just a matter of throwing it all in his lap and, and going, here you go. You know, just, I want to follow you. And, but I, but I wasn't thinking about that at the time. It took me a long time. I mean, I went through chemotherapy, you know, 24 hours a day five days a week for like six weeks. I mean, it was constant and, and, and you just felt terrible all the time. And you kept asking, how am I going to get through this? On top of two major surgeries too, right? Yeah. And that was after, well, that was, oh, sorry. That was prior to surgery. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I went, ready? I went that route to get ready for surgery. Yeah. And I'm then, sorry. I'm interrupting your surgery. Uh, that's okay. So, so, you know, and, and you keep asking how you're going to get through this. And, and the whole time, God had put people in place to handle that for me. I mean, I mean, Chris would, and, and Annalise, my daughter, she would be there with me and, and they would play games with me and, and we would watch movies and all kinds of things that take my mind off of that. And then, and then prayer to God. And, and, and once I got further through everything, and you start reflecting on it, you go, wow, he was there the whole time and he was directing everything. I mean, and it, it, it's, it, it's amazing once you start realizing that you don't have to do anything. Just throw it in God's lap and 
and he'll take care of it. He really will. That's, that's an amazing story, Tad. Uh, thank you for sharing it. Uh, I know it's an encouragement to uh, people listening. And if you, if you appreciated Todd's story, can you just like give him a shout out in, in the comments field uh, right now? And, uh... and that's where we're going to enter, end the interview right there because at that point I started crying. I could get real used to this kind of interaction where uh, uh, we can kind of cut and edit and uh, and uh, remove Brian Hoffmeister's embarrassing moments while being a preacher. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, um, get, now that I'm a little more composed, you mind praying with me for Todd? Uh, I just pray for healing for Todd Oswald that you stop the battle with further tests and treatments and surgeries that you would fully heal him. And, and and give a whole father to his daughter and a whole husband to his wife. And uh, there's a couple hundred of us praying this right now together. Amen. Look at that. Apparently I'm going to tear up anyway. Whatever. Can't fix me. I'm who I am. <laughs> All right. The question is, though, why does it have to hurt? Um, you know, why, why can't guys like Todd just enjoy the board games and movie nights with, well, with his wife and daughter uh, without going through cancer? Um, why can't God do something good in his life with, without the pain? And what I'm talking about from here is not why God causes pain in life, but I'm still pointing out how God brings good stuff out of it. Uh, good number eight is the pain is a symptom that reveals the real problem. Okay, pain's there for a reason. I, I relate this uh, a little bit to uh, like the plumbing in my house. Uh, I, I got a drain in my house that uh, uh, I, I pour a gallon of Drano down it. The clog clears out or clears out enough, but then two weeks later, it's it's back. And I'm, I'm like on 10, 12 gallons of Drano in at my place. And finally, I, I stopped treating the symptom and call a plumber. And he says, the problem is I got I, the, the pipes to my drain uh, underneath underneath these uh, underneath the bathroom here it's just like not it, they're not wide enough it, it's not going to work okay so at some point like the root issue has to become the real issue in front of us you don't take tylenol to mask the pains if you're dealing with a tumor you don't keep buying new shoes for your feet when the real issue is you got a fractured foot and you you need a cast it's sometimes it's the issue of pains that tells us there, there's a gap going on here right now. There's something more beneath the surface that we do not get to see. The pain indicates the real problem that's out there. And our scriptures tell us in Romans 8, for creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Okay? All that frustrates, all that decays around us, it drives us back to our freedom and our glory and our adoption that's only found in Christ Jesus. We have a real broken problem in this world because of the God separation. And he's bringing us back in as his children. And sometimes it's the pain that reminds us things are off and we need to go back running to the place where we're meant to be. 
Um, more question on why does it have to hurt? Like some people just want to know, can I be done now? Like, have I gone through enough? Uh, I think number nine, it's important to see that pain is perspective. Second Corinthians four seventeen and 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Right? I think we all appreciate that when this life is over, all our toys go back in the box. Uh, the, the houses, the cars, the, the, the vacations, like all this stuff that we've got and we've done, like it, it gets left behind here. But there's this thing that's eternity that's, that, that does in fact last forever and that's most important. And, and so sometimes pain is one of those things that just puts it all back into perspective of this life is short and comparatively small in meaning to what we have with him. And sometimes the pain, if it's getting us to live a focused life on eternal things right now, that's a good thing that God can do in the middle of it. All right. Uh, uh, last question here. And it doesn't come out as a question. It's a little more of like, I just can't go on. And I, I know a lot of us are, are there right now. Uh, it's too much. Uh Financial issues beforehand, right? And now the, what the economy's doing, this, this is going to make it crushing. Maybe you had marriage issues beforehand. And now this is pressing stress in the home in such a way that, man, it's, it's compounding it all the more. Maybe you had issues with self-worth and, and self-value and, like, you're doubting it all the more. Like, things can get downright overwhelming and you're wondering how long can I last under this pain? And I want to take you to Revelations 21. It's one of these last two chapters of the Bible. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That brings us to our 10th good that God does with this is someday the pain will end. There is a final rest for our souls. This does not go on forever. A good God has a good final resting place with him. But between now and then, let's go back to Romans 8 because this is important. We're not left alone. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That closeness with Jesus, that is our final place to rest, is our resting place today, here and now. And I know that's hard to feel sometimes. And I know that a lot of us feel just flat out alone in our pain. Doesn't seem like anyone cares. Doesn't seem like anyone knows. Uh, I mean, 
look at Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're like Jesus right now and you're praying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that's what your life feels like. Like God has just forsaken uh, a person like you. Pain makes it seem like God's not there and that God doesn't care. But what I want to tell you is that the cross does demonstrate that God is there. That God loves you. That God loves the world. The cross says that God is not uncaring. The cross says that God is not indifferent. And the cross says that you are never, ever alone. How God decides to prevent pain in some instances and for some people in some situations, and then other times he decides to help us work through the pain or work in the middle of the pain or overcome the pain, I, I, I don't know. I really don't have an answer to that. But what I do know is that the answer is never that we have an uncaring God. And it's never that he isn't there. I believe that because of Jesus, pain never gets the last word. It doesn't. Because the cross wasn't the end for Jesus. He bursts forth out of darkness, out of that tomb, and he still lives today. And because of that, it's because of that that I know that the darkest spot of your pain has something brand new from God that he has that's going to burst forth in life. Your pain will never get the final word because of Jesus. And that's why you and I turn back to him and the victory he's already earned. So, hey, that's, that's it for today. That's all the questions we can get to in, in this time. So, hey, keep, keep those questions coming. And particularly on a Sunday like this, when we're opening up a topic like we did, I want you to know we're ready to pray for you. If you've got a prayer request that you want to include your whole church family with, everybody at Lake Point, just go ahead and leave that prayer request right in the comments field right now. And there's a couple hundred of us that are excited to pray along with you. If it's a prayer that's more private, just for the pastors, elders, and the prayer team of Lake Point Church, you can email us today, info at lakepointmuskego.org.